Okay, as you can see from the psalm that we read, we have a typical division of uh, like a hymn or a song of thanksgiving because you have the call to praise. We saw that in verses 1 to 3, and the reason is given for he is good, his love endures forever. Now, <clears throat> we think that this psalm may actually be an answer to the prayer of Psalm 106.47. If you look at 106.47, which is the psalm immediately before it, it says, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from the nations. It says, To give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. And if you look at uh, what it says about the redeemed, it says he gathered them from north, south, east, and west, or actually east and west and north and south. And so verse 46 previously, um, verse 47, they were saying, Save us. And what's part of the refrain in here? That the Lord saved them, the Lord rescued them, He brought them out. And what did they say, Lord, save us so we can thank you? And so what do we do? We have the response of thanks here. So there's a connection there. And then as I mentioned, we have the, the bulk of the psalm. We have four stanzas which have a common phrase. You saw that when, as I mentioned, the uh, problem is stated. And uh, the, the, the prayer for help. And then we see the answer that the Lord gives as He supplies the needs of the various people. And then you see the, uh, the, the plea the, for uh, praise. That everyone should give thanks to the Lord because He answered a prayer. So that's in four stanzas. So these four stanzas use generalized terms. You know, it talks about uh, those that were weary wanderers in the wilderness. So no matter if you're landlubbers or you're the last one you know about sailors you know no matter where you are on earth the Lord can rescue you and then we also have the idea of prisoners the second stanza uh, delivering and release the prisoners out of the dark dungeons of doom that's true whether it's literally when we cry out to the Lord or it's figuratively because we've all been in the bondage of sin and then it talks about uh, the third stanza he retrieved the sick fools from death's door Okay, so that speaks of the mercy and grace of God. Certainly there, doesn't it? Because they were fools and yet they cried out to the Lord and the Lord still delivered them. And then we have the concluding hymn that we read and uh, He's sovereign and, he, and His awesome acts. And so verse 43 that we read in unison could either be a part of the concluding hymn or some of us suggested we make a separate uh, uh, conclusion. A call to act wisely in view of God's acts of loving kindness. So at this point, uh, keep that in mind. And, uh, and let me also then make a few remarks about uh, the, the confession on the back side of your handout. In just a moment, Brother Randy will come and pray. And I hope he will, he will keep in mind Psalm 107 in, in your prayer there, Brother. Appreciate that. Okay, so... Uh, I will not reread that on the back, the reverse side of your of your handout, because he's already read it. But notice it says reading the scriptures. Have we done that today? Okay, it says preaching. Have we done that today? Not yet. We're going to do that. Try to anyway. Hearing the word of God. Now, I know we were reading, but then we stopped. And we heard other people reading the word of God, right? Admonishing one another in Psalms. I think we did that, didn't we? We're in marching, talking about that. And hymns, you know, in a moment, the, 
Exodus 15 is really a song of Moses, which is a kind of a hymn. Spiritual songs, some things we're singing are spiritual songs. Singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord, you can only answer that. Okay, hopefully we did that. Uh, as well as the administration of baptism the Lord's Supper. Okay, now, we're going to do that just a moment in the baptistry. Um, no, we don't have a baptistry. How come we don't have a baptistry back here? Well, we know the answer for that, right? This is a local church ordinance, so that's why we don't do the next day in the Lord's Supper. Let's be performed out of obedience, and so we're trying to do that today. First, purposeful acts of solemn humiliation. There's time for solemn humiliation and time for repentance of sins, but also there's time of thanksgiving. That's what I want to emphasize today. Time of thanksgiving. Serve on special occasions. Alright, so um, at this time, Brother Randy will come and lead us in a, in a prayer. Join with me if you would in prayer. Almost mighty and merciful Father, who has compassion upon all men and who does not desire the death of a sinner but rather that he should turn from his sin and be saved. Mercifully forgive our trespasses. Receive and comfort us who are grieved and weary with the burden of our sin. Your nature is to always have mercy. You only can forgive sin. Spare us, therefore, good Lord. Spare your people whom you have redeemed. Enter not into judgment with your servants who are but dust and terrible sinners. Turn your just anger from us who humbly acknowledge our sinfulness and truly repent. Grant us, O Lord, your spirit so that in this world we may live aware of your presence and ever thankful for your forgiveness and so also to have hope in the world to come through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray Amen Now if you would please turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 15 for our scripture reading this morning Exodus chapter 15. And the word of the Lord says this, Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its riders he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father is God, and I will extol Him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is His name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea, and the choices of his officers are drowned in, in the Red Sea. The deeps covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And in the greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise against you. You sent forth your burning anger, and it consumed them as chaff. 
At the blast of your nostrils, the waters were piled up. The flowing water stood up like a heap. The deeps were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue you. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be gratified against them. I will draw out my sword. My hand will destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? You stretch out your right hand. The earth swallows them. In your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you have guided them to your holy inhabitants. The people have heard, they tremble. Anguish has gripped the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed. The leaders of Moab trembling grips them. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melt away. Terror and dread fall upon them. By the greatness of your arm, they are motionless as stone. Until your people pass over, O Lord. Until the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea on them. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea. Miriam the prophetess Aaron's sister took the tremble in her hand, and all the women went out after her with trembles and with dancing. Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord. For he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider has hur- he has hurled into the sea. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's pray once again together. Our Father, our God, we have read your word um, this morning. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise for the awesome deeds in which you have redeemed and delivered your people. Uh, particularly in the Exodus account on how you have delivered your people from the bondage of slavery and likened to you have delivered us from our spiritual bondage of sin and you have freed us in Christ. Father, I pray that you would bless the rest of this time of chapel and that you would be with Dr. Parsons as he will uh, preach the word from the text we have read in Exodus 15. And I pray that we would do all things to the glory of your name. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. So the passage that Brother Tanner read is our text for today. Um, I'm talk to you about how the Moses exalted the Lord. Uh, as uh, in this victory hymn uh, or victory over in the, the original Exodus. So as you know today people get excited about a lot of different things but particularly in this area of sp- sports you know football, baseball and all these type of things so when an important victory occurs you know like the World Series I heard rumors about one time what Dr. Helwig did one time 
We won't go into that. Back in a, 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 a bad year for the Rangers. <laughs> but anyway, we do get excited about our sports teams, right? So that's, that's appropriate. We can have a good time about that. Or, you know, the Super Bowl. Um, how much more, though, should we be jubilant uh, about a final victory or a war or a long battle? Now, I'm not old enough to remember this, but, you know, in World War II, was over. You read about it. You see even in some of the films there, you know, you had um, VE Day, Victory in Europe. I got excited. But that VJ Day, which is in August when Japan surrendered, and President Harry Truman gave the, that uh, announcement. You know, they were dancing in the street and shooting guns and all that sort of stuff. They were really excited and celebrated. Okay, so today though, we're, in, we're uh, visiting uh, something more significant because it's God's victory for the nation of Israel and of course we'll eventually get to a New Testament application of that. Something much more significant. If we get excited about our sports team, should we get excited about worshiping the Lord? Be excited about that? Okay, so, uh, so as I said, we're visiting Moses and we're looking at the victory of him and we're, as it were, listening to the song that he and the children of Israel uh, sang there in that victory. They jubilantly sang this magnificent song after deliverance from Egypt through the Red Sea, or as the Hebrew says, Sea of Reeds, as the Egyptians had been pursuing them. Now, this is sometimes called the Song of the Sea because there's also another song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32. So this is a song of Moses, but it's sometimes called the Song of the Sea. Okay? So the story of the victory of the Red Sea is actually narrated in chapter 14. So we have it in story form in chapter 14. We have it in poetry in chapter 15. Uh, so it's kind of like in Judges. You think about it was narrated in Judges 4 about the victory of Deborah. And then there's a song of Deborah. So you have that analogy here. As one writer, Victor Hamilton, said, Exodus 14 tells the old, old story. Well, Exodus 15 sings the old, old story. Now, when we think about the old, old story, we're not thinking about this, are we? But it was an old, old story. Uh, in uh, chapter 14, you're walking or marching. In chapter 15, you might be dancing. Chapter 14 focuses on what God has done. Chapter 15 focuses on our proper response to what God has done for us. Uh, in chapter 14, there's a holy hush. In chapter 14, verse 21, when they had been, the first 13, they were fearful. And the Lord said, that famous passage, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Remember? They were to stand still. And he said, and I was going to mention this again a little later, he says, I will fight for you while you are silent. Okay, so there's a holy hush in one sense in chapter 14. But in chapter 14, I mean, in uh, chapter 15, we see they're singing fortissimo. Okay? So, you know, if you, if you look at our music and you have a P or a double P, that's quite a difference than an F or an FF or how about a triple F? Fortissimo. What does that mean? Very loud. Right? They were celebrating. Okay? So, you know, it's amazing to me that, you know, we don't have to say to get excited about your sports team, like I said before, but we sometimes have to say, you know, let your notify your face that <laughs> you're excited about being in the service of the Lord. But if we really uh, know, uh, use this example, we'll be we'll celebrate for our Lord too. Okay, so 
And uh, chapter 14, you're holding your breath. In chapter, um, chapter 15, you have the calm after the storm. Um, in chapter 14, there's dry ground. Chapter 15, there's not a dry eye. Chapter 14, the cloud goes ahead of Israel. Chapter 15, the reputation of the Lord and of Israel goes before them because there's fear and terror and dread. Okay, so that's our context. Chapter 14 is about war. Chapter 15 is about worship. Okay, chapter 15, the song of Moses and the children of Israel is followed by the song led by Miriam. And both of those is a common denominator there in a chiastic form says uh, says the same thing there basically in verses 1 and 21. What did Moses in, uh, in the song of Israel sing? I will sing to the Lord for he's highly exalted the horse and its rider he's hurled into the sea. So verse 21, Miriam leads that same thing. She reprises, she responds. And could be antiphonal or it could be she just sang that one chorus or it could be that was the lead into the whole song. We don't know the details of it. But they were excited. They joined in the celebration. So they were lifting up and exalting the Lord exceedingly high in triumph. Why? Because of the victory over Pharaoh and the army that were pursuing them. Okay? Um, this, the, uh, this repetition of what we call a chiasm. Y'all are familiar with that, right? The literary bracketing. Uh, is not only structurally a, a complete unit, but also for emphasis. Alright, so it stresses the Lord's majestic nature or excellence. A related word found in verse 7 translated excellence or majesty. It's from the same idea there. The Lord's majestic nature. Sometimes it used, the Lord uses it in Isaiah 2, of humbling the pride of the enemy. But the Lord is the one who is majestic. This song was sung by a huge choir at the Red Sea, the Sea of Reeds, and it anticipates the future song of Moses and of the Lamb in Revelation 15. Revelation 15, 3 says those around the glassy sea, you see, you see, there's a Red Sea, and then there's the glassy sea, the sea that's in the heaven, heaven sung by the saints. So you have the, those that were excited about victory over the beast, which are sing there in heaven. So we need to practice up here, right? When we sing, you know, do you have people in your congregation that just sit there and look at you when you're singing? Let's, let's join in. We've got to get practiced up, right? Alright, so uh, let's talk about our, our text as far as the basic structure. We have the introductory praise, buttressed, uh, I mean the call for praise, buttressed by general praise. Do you see how that's similar to what we saw in Psalm 107? Even though Psalm 107 is a thong, song of thanksgiving, this is more of a hymn. They're both in similar genre. That is the genre of praise. And you start out by calling on people, reminding them to praise. You give the reason to praise and uh, so forth. And so uh, the general praise that we see is because he's redeemed them. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Alright, so they're, they're redeemed and we're redeemed, right? so that we need to give the Lord glory for that. Alright, so uh, there's praise for God's... Um, and verses 4 to 13 actually is the main body. It gives the cause or reasons for praise. It's praise for His deeds. It's written in narrative, first of all. It talks about Him being... Um, he's a warrior and what He did with uh, the Pharaoh and His army. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. 
And then in verse 11, I think it's the focal point. Verse 11, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? Awesome in praise, working wonders. That's your stress and emphasis. They have other praises given. And uh, they have a transition about the impact on the enemies. Verses 16 and 19. Then you have a reiteration of the cause for praise. Verse 19. And then you have that final uh, praise by Mariel. So let's look a little bit at some of our verses here. Verse 2. We've, uh, is quoted in Isaiah 12, verse 2. Okay? The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation or deliverance. I'm going to mention in just a moment how in the book of Isaiah there is a second Exodus motif, a second Exodus theme. So it's not surprising. Uh, that's mainly over in chapters 40 and onward, but already in chapter 12, he quotes that situation where God gave victory to um, Moses here. He's my strength and my song. Psalm 118 verse 14 also quotes this passage. So in Psalms and in Isaiah both. Notice the personal pronoun my. The emphasis on my salvation. Um, my strength. My song. We know this. That we have, need to have a personal relationship with the living God. It's not just enough to mouth ritualistic songs or mouth the Bible or even mouth what we've heard taught by our parents or our family or our friends. We need that personal relationship with the living God. So that's what the focus and emphasis is on there. Verse 3 says, The Lord is a warrior or a man of war. Isaiah 42, 13, which is close to some of those other second Exodus motifs, um, has, uh, calls the Lord a man of war, a warrior. And this fulfills the narrative assurance that the Lord would fight for them. As I quoted a while ago in chapter 14 of Exodus. It says, I will fight for you. And so he did indeed do that. So there's a reason for praise. What was promised them in narrative, he uh, fulfilled and they thank him for it. Now the main body, let's think about some of the, the main point is verse 11. There are other focal points, other points of emphasis. How about the, the Lord's powerful right hand? Verse 6 mentions it twice. Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. How about verse 12? You stretch out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. Even in verse 16, it talks about the arm, the greatness of your arm. That's a motif that you find often in the, about the Exodus. In the Psalms, it's going to say, Lord, we remember your mighty right hand and strong arm. We need you again to help us in in that time okay so that's that's a, a major emphasis there and the hand of the Lord is mentioned also in uh, one of the verses here uh, verse um, I forgot which verse it is but it's the last verse of chapter 14 says when Israel saw the great power of the Lord he used against the Egyptians literally it says the hand of the Lord the hand of the Lord in the Old Testament is a symbolism of his power and strength it's like he wants flexing his muscles it says in Isaiah 51 verse 9 uh, or no, excuse me 52 verse 10 the Lord bared his holy arm and jumping a little bit ahead but that's going to lead into the suffering <coughs> servant passage so he bared his holy arm in the Old Testament through the Exodus he bared his holy arm in the New Testament by the suffering 
his son, the suffering servant, Messiah, to bring a different kind of salvation. <clears throat> and so uh, the emphasis on his power, his arm, his mighty right hand is a, a focal point here. How about verses 8 to 10? Emphasis upon his breath. Verse 8, At the blast of your nostrils the waters were piled up, flowing waters like a heap or a wall. Okay, when he says the Lord's breath, it's not like we teach in Sunday school. Maybe you teach thought this way, you know, Lord, you know, be the puff, puff, blue, and there, divided. That's how we teach our little kids, right? It's not totally wrong, but it's, <laughs> it's the snorting of his nostrils, his anger, the flaring anger of the Lord is the picture of the anger causing that to divide. And it does talk about blowing of his, of his breath. Verse 10, you blew with your breath, the sea covered them. So it's not totally bad to say he puffed and blew. But uh, you, you notice that back in chapter 14, I wish we didn't read that, it actually explains that. I think it's verse 21 if I remember correctly. It says, The east wind blew all night long. So the imagery in poetry is the Lord blew with His breath. Of course, in Hebrew and in Greek, you know, there's a commonness between the spirit and the breath and uh, not knowing exactly all that. So the Lord's breath and the wind. It's a mighty wind. Mighty east wind is what it's attributed to in, in the narrative there in the Old Testament. Okay, so also the poetic picture here uh, talks about how that, you know, when he blew, uh, you know, it's, it's not that he sneezed, okay? Let's be sure we get that clear, you know? Uh, the snorting of his, his, you know, his nose, you know? <coughs> no, that's not it. It's the anger, as we said before. Okay, notice that what happened. It says twice that they, they sank. Verse five, they sank down the deeps like what? Like a stone. Another verse says, uh, was it verse 16? They sat still like a stone. It also said they sank like lead in one of these verses here, right? Uh, where is that? Verse 10. They blew with your wind. They sank like lead in the mighty water. So um, that's the picture in poetry. Alright, so, um, but the main point is the, the majesty and awesome God that did miraculous acts in verse 11 where he um, is unique among the gods. He's contrasted with verse 9. The enemy said, and certainly Pharaoh said, Pharaoh was considered to be a god. Pharaoh was believed to be a god. And so he and the, and the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My soul literally shall be gratified against them. I'll draw out my sword, my hand will destroy them. So you have the hand of Pharaoh against the hand of the strong and mighty arm of the Lord. No contest. Even though he claimed to be a God. So we have uh, the focal point that is, who is like the so-called gods? There are many gods in Egypt, like the plagues talk about that. And the, but the Lord showed who was. You remember when they uh, asked to, to leave, to go a three-day journey, sacrifice uh, a Yahweh. He says, I don't even know who this Yahweh is. Remember that? Well, <laughs> a different story now, right? Okay, so uh, the emphasis upon the, the uniqueness and majesty of the Lord. The song extols the Lord's strength and His loving redemption of His people. Verse 13. In your loving kindness, you've led the people you've redeemed. In your strength, you've guided them to your holy habitation. 
The transitional paragraph highlights the terror and dread of their enemies, verses 14 to 16. The people have heard. Now this is portrait. Uh, poetry takes poetic license here, so we don't know if this was you know, written a little later and they're reflecting back, or if this is prophetic insight. Either way, it's picturing at a distance that they already heard. Remember when uh, Rahab the harlot, you know, by the spies, and she'd already heard about all the exploits of the Lord, right? And so here, we get that, that this is the fame of the Lord and of Israel, as, as they understood it, is being... Uh, Broadcast terror and dread fill a fall upon all their enemies. See that confidence, or if it's written a little later, and they're they're recalling that confidence. And yes, indeed, the Lord did was faithful to bring them over to cross over in the promised land. All right, so uh, the the Lord gave him insight, prophetic insight, I think. The enemy seems to sit motionless like a stone when they pass over. So then we have a concluding burst of praise and insight. The people proclaim, what verse 18? The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Um, Ms. Altman, Jeanette, I forgot to tell you we are going to do the Hallelujah course today. Uh, it's in the book. I saw it. I was tempted. We're not going to do that. That's, you know, that's based upon this. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. It's actually based on Revelation 11, 15 on that. And in chapter 19, you have a very similar place there you know hallelujah for the Lord God reigns forever and ever this praise is echoed in dance and song by Miriam who led the women in praise as I said before this could be antiphonal where you take turns or echo uh, kind of like we do in some of our songs even southern gospel music do that right it's a little echo a little, um, so we have uh, the, the praise that's uh, brought by both the men and the, and the women there uh, could be a music, musical accompaniment because it doesn't mean the string instrument or the percussion instrument, I guess, the, the timbrel, tambourine. Uh, since the comment about Miriam is in narrative, uh, we probably wouldn't want to say we need to copy her example of dancing today. But that's because she's here on our hermeneutic. It does say in Psalm 150, it says that, that every instrument, it mentions all of your stringed instruments and your percussion instruments that even dance. So I'm not trying to advocate square dancing here today, you know. I'm not trying to advocate that. We do have to be careful about realizing that it does say that we're to be happy in the Lord, right? So you have to make your own judgment call about what that means. I think different cultures have different understandings about some of these things too. So you know, we have to know that there's principles in Scripture that are absolute, but we all have cultural adaptations, not changes the doctrine of the scripture but culturally there could be differences string instruments trumpets percussion instruments timbre or tambourine and so forth and what is it Psalm 150 ends up with everything that has breath praise the Lord so we are whatever way that we'd express it we need to show that genuinely our praise to God alright so uh, just think about two you know nothing is said about a piano or organ uh oh <laughs> but we do that, right? Well, they didn't have pianos and organs back then. Okay, all right. Nothing said about a car, right? Okay, yep, we can ride a car, right? So we have to be careful in our balance here and our hermeneutics. Okay, it is um, not, not necessarily inappropriate that we use these musical instruments that uh, we have today because they're used for the glory of God. The purpose and intent is a big part of that, right? That we're trying to glorify the Lord. 
Now, the people praise the Lord for His victory in the first exodus. Isaiah praised the Lord for a victory over Babylon in a sort of second exodus. Uh, Isaiah 51, 9-11 says, Awake, O arm of the Lord. Sometimes they thought the Lord wasn't responsive enough. So they said, Lord, wake up. And verse 10 says, The Lord dried up the Lord will drive the waters. It's talking about Babylon. Talking about in the future. So it uses a picture of when they were in Egyptian captivity and now in their Babylonian captivity. And the Lord's going to do it again. There's, he's going to do that. As I said in 52.10, it says, The Lord bared His holy arm. Verses 52.11 and 12, if I remember correctly, talks about how come out, uh, be delivered from Babylon. It leads, leading right into Isaiah 53 verse 1 who says, <clears throat> Who's believed our report? And who, who, to whom is the, the arm of the Lord revealed? Arm of the Lord revealed. That's the passage that's the second stanza of the famous suffering servant song. So like I said a while ago, where you, we have the literal <clears throat> uh, arm of the Lord. Well, it's still symbolic, but the, the strength of the Lord in the Exodus. And then you have the second Exodus motif where, you know, I would take off my coat, flex my muscle here, but we won't embarrass myself on that one. Uh, the Lord is, you know, bearing His holy arm. We're just like the picture of gird up your, your loins, you know, get ready for work. Well, get ready for work and for, you know, sometimes it's, okay, we're fixing to have a rumble here, right? We're, uh, we're not going to do that today. <laughs> uh, the picture of getting ready to you know, you're going to exercise. You're going to, in this case, you're going to see the Lord's strength and power. Okay, so, so we have the second Exodus motif, but in the New Testament, Luke nine, Luke nine, verse thirty-one, when the Lord was contemplating going to Jerusalem for all the events that's coming up, it says his departure, his death, his exodus. It's an accusative, it's exodon. Sorry, but the exodus. His way, the way out. The etymology of Exodus is literally the way out. You see that sign back there, Exit? Make it by faith, it's back there. That's the way out of here. Okay? The Exodus is the way out of Egypt. In, in Isaiah's time, the way out was trusting the Lord. In our day, the departure, the death of Christ is the way out. The way out of our sin because He took sin upon us for us. It's the way out. Alright, so in the Old Testament, the mark of God's strong and mighty arm and hand was the Exodus. In the New Testament, the mark of God's strong and mighty hand, ironically, what Satan thought was defeat, putting the death of our Lord on the cross, was he was bearing his holy arm, he was flexing his muscles to give Satan to do what he needed. You know, kind of whip up on Satan. More than that, uh, to give us victory over uh, our sins. To bring us out of the bondage of our sin and into the way of, of the Lord and victory. So I think that you can see that there's plenty of application here. 1 Corinthians 15 is victory over death. is victory over Satan. And um, so what do you have to... What do you need to praise the Lord about today? We're not going to take time to ask you to do that today. But I'm sure you've already been thinking... Uh, about things that we need to praise God for. Certainly our salvation in Christ. Uh, Revelation 5, 12 and 13. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Verse 13. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion 
forever and ever. In heaven, as they will go, the saints will sing the song of Moses and of the Lamb. Are you ready? Have you practiced up? Okay. I know that the Lord has died, but we should not celebrate like it's a Lord. Okay. He's a living Lord. We need to celebrate as we should because He's living and on His throne. The right hand of the Father.